morning. It is a beautiful day, and I'm glad to be here, and I hope you are too. We look at this uh, new year, and we're still looking at ourselves trying to figure out exactly what's going to come this year. It's going to be an unusual one, I think. You know why I think that? Because it's a new year, and we don't know what's coming this year. It's always that way. So let's get ready for whatever might come. The Boy Scouts say be prepared. I don't know how you get prepared for what you don't know is coming. You just take it as it comes and do your best with it. It is a great year. And as I said last week, wherever we go in this year, the Lord will be there with us. I know that. If you listen to the reading at the beginning of worship this morning, that reading about preparation for the birth of John the Baptist and the things that would be in his life and then his life and how he was going to live that life are kind of an interesting set of circumstances. But it reminds me that there are some things that don't just don't come easy. I call this lesson, Soft Soap's Only Good for Washing Dirty Hands. Now, if you haven't ever heard that line before, uh, I don't know where you've been, under a rock somewhere. Actually, I want to tell you something about that. I was just a, <clears throat> a young boy at home. My father would be occasionally away in gospel meetings, and he would return home, and we always expected him to bring us a gift when he came home. Uh, he bought, bought me a copy of Treasure Island that I didn't read for the next 10 years one time. But anyway, he, he came home from a gospel meeting, and he brought me a gift from this meeting after being away for about a week. It was the long play record. Some of you still know what that is. It was Disney's version of Davy Crockett. It was drawn from the, uh, the, the movie versions that also converted television uh, productions that, uh, in which Davy Crockett was played by Fess Parker and uh, Betty Epson played his sidekick, George or Georgie Russell, in that. I loved that thing. I didn't know anything about those movies much. I didn't know about the presentations and... And uh, by the way, we didn't get to watch the wonderful world of Disney on Sunday night because we were always in church service at 6 o'clock on Sunday night. That's the terrible thing about growing up in a preacher's house. It's awful, awful. But anyway, he, he gave me the ring. I loved the thing. We put it on, I put it on my parents' hi-fi, and I played the thing over and over and over again. What it was was excerpts from those, those productions and so I would listen to it again and again, and I just loved it. I hated to play the end of it because I, I knew he died at the Alamo in the end. But I loved it. I loved the singing in it. loved the thing that was going on in it. But there was a line in it that got my attention, and I didn't have a clue what it meant. Pretty straightforward, but I didn't have a clue what it meant. I mean, I could understand the words, but I didn't know why he was saying it. What was going on was it was at the time when Davy Crockett was, was elected as a congressman from Tennessee, and, and it's not an, a real depiction, actual story, but in the story as it, as it unfolded there, one of the things that he, he did was he stood up in the midst of a congressional meeting and he said, I believe soft soap's only good for washing dirty hands. Well, I didn't know the implications of soft soap, what it meant to soft soap something at that time. I was just a kid, probably not more than 18 or 19 at the time. Seriously, I was just a young kid, and I didn't know what that meant, and it took me a while to realize it, probably till I was 60 or so to realize it, but, but I really wasn't, I realized he wasn't talking about soap, not literally, uh, and I got hold of that, because soft soaping, if 
it, I came to understand is the idea of using pleasing or, or flattering words to persuade or encourage somebody in a particular direction, you know, kind of take it easy, get them, make them feel good, and so forth. And I said, oh, I got it. Really, soft soap's only good for this. It's not going to do what we really need to get done. Well, if you take that to John the Baptist, you begin. it has some real meaning, doesn't it? You take it to John the Baptist, John the Baptist didn't soft soap anybody. He was pretty straightforward. He told you how it was. If we learn anything about John the Baptist, we learn that he was not one to mince his words or to fear their impact. He, as I said, he didn't soft soap anyone. In fact, his bold profession and his straightforward manner were really what not only brought people to follow him, but brought him to lose his head. And he wasn't afraid. Because when you look at it, John had a job to get done. You won't find anyone who has taken his assignment, especially his assignment from God, more seriously than John did. As we read, there were restrictions that were placed on his parents. They needed to understand what was going on, but there were restrictions that his mother was to observe and that he was to observe as he was growing up, much in the way of a, a lifelong Nazarite vow in his life. And you can read that and you say, boy, that's an interesting thing, and, that, and it is, but it was about him being unique. It was about him being special. And the prophetic description of him that we read of one, a voice crying in the wilderness, one who is bold and working. Isaiah describes it in the 40th chapter in verse 3, one preparing the way of the Lord, making straight his paths, boldly proclaiming, turning the hearts of people and all of that. And in this prophetic linking that we find, not just there, but you find it in Malachi, we find it in Jesus' description, we find it even in our verses here, that he is linked with Elijah. And Elijah was noted in their history as being that bold prophet who would stand up against one of the most powerful kings of the day. But Malachi talks about that great day of the Lord, that great, we sometimes great and terrible day of the Lord, that day of the Lord, but that the Elijah would come. And Jesus makes us aware, and this makes us aware that he was that Elijah. But it's in the likeness of Elijah, his bold statements, his, his standing up for what is right and doing what God wanted him to do. And we look at the man John and how he presented himself to people, the way that he lived, the way that he conducted himself, his clothing and his food were indicative of his approach to what he was given to do. You think about this guy that has camel hair garments. You know, I, I had a, used to have a camel's hair jacket, but I don't think it was real camel's hair, you know. I got an idea that camel's hair wasn't the softest, nicest stuff to wear, even woven into garments. I don't know that much about it, but uh, when it talks about it and the way he dressed, it was unique. It was special. And his diet, his diet, locusts and wild honey. I always thought, shouldn't that be wild locusts and honey? But uh, anyway, locusts and wild honey. I'm not sure that diabetes was a real problem at that time, but that's an unusual diet, isn't it? I don't know what else he ate, but that seemed to be his common meal. You know, it wasn't peanut butter and jelly. It was locusts and wild honey. All I'm just saying to you is he took seriously what he was doing. 
and he presented himself as a unique individual. It may have seemed in the minds of people, and we've got pictures of what he might have looked like in our minds maybe, but the main thing is he was something special. And as he presented his message, people heard what he had to say, but you know, his way didn't go well with everyone. Some of the religious leaders took real exception to some of the message that he had to share. And Herodias, Herod's wife, that John said shouldn't have been his wife, Herod's wife sure didn't like the messages of John, especially as it applied to her and in her unacceptable relationship with what should have been her brother-in-law instead of her husband. Anyway, we read about that and ultimately brings about his death. Because when her daughter pleases the king so much, she, she says, when her daughter asks, what should I ask for the king? Give me the head of John the Baptist. And, and uh, Herodias is the one that brings that about. Terrible woman, I would think. She could have had a soap opera all about herself. But John was not afraid. And Jesus even confronted the chief priests of his time and some of the elders of the time about how they saw John. Was he from God or from men? Was his message from God or from men? And they wouldn't answer him. Obviously, they didn't accept his, his teaching. They didn't like what he had to say. But John went ahead. John was bold. He sets for us a pattern of take a chance, make a change, break away. And Jesus described the common way as kind of an endorsement that we might say for John's way because Jesus described the way to destruction as being through that broad gate and that wide road that many follow to destruction, Matthew 7, 13. But did you ever notice something and maybe why John stands out so much? Did you ever notice that the people who follow that little different course that have that unique way about them are the ones that in life often achieve some of the greatest, largest accomplishments, the most notable accomplishments. I think about that fellow in the Old Testament, Nehemiah, when he hears that the walls of Jerusalem and the city are in deterioration and, and so forth. He's got a plum job. He's got, a, he's got himself set. King loves him, appreciates him. He's got the greatest job a guy could have under a king unless somebody poisons the food or something like that. But he's taking care of the king, and he's in a royal palace. He's taken care of in a positive way. But when he hears about Jerusalem and what's going on there, he says, i got to go take care of matters. It's not going to be a popular thing. It's not going to be a thing that's going to be readily acceptable. It's going to take a lot of time, and he's got to go a long ways to get it done. Take a chance. Make a change. Nehemiah, John the Baptist, and maybe if you want to look at it secularly, he may not be the best character to follow, as you, you might note, but consider the ins and outs in the course of Steve Jobs. Think about it. If he had just decided to stay in college instead of dropping out, or if he had, uh, he had not returned to Apple, had stayed on his own and just separated from them and stayed on his, his own, many of you wouldn't have that little computerized phone in your pocket that you've got right now. But he went in a little different course. People that accomplish something often look and act a little different than the crowd. And it takes, 
It takes tough, sometimes it takes tough, even harsh teaching to get the job done. And while we don't want to offer it sometimes because we don't want to be disliked. We want to be liked. We want to offer words to others that make us like. We don't really want to be disliked and we don't want to hear things that, that are harsh or hard at times. But we remember the primary word of John's message. The primary word of his message that was shared also by Jesus was exactly the same. Repent for the kingdom is at hand. So friends, what do we need to hear? That's what it comes down to. What do we need to hear? What should we talk, be talking about? What should we hear? If we walk away just feeling good about ourselves, that's nice. But did we hear what we really need to hear from whoever it is that's speaking at any time in any place? Especially from the from the Word of God, do we just need to hear the things that make us feel good about who we are? I like things that make me feel good about being me, and that's a good thing, and we like that, and sometimes that's exactly right. But you know, there can be, there can be a big difference between what we want to hear and what we need to hear. It's kind of like food. The food that we want <laughs> is definitely not always the food that we need. I figure if you batter it and fry it, it's got to be healthy. But you know, there is a difference, isn't there? And Paul noted, as he wrote to the church in Galatia, that truth can sometimes be hard to take. And he said, I've become your enemy because I tell you the truth. What is needed sometimes can be pretty tough. It can cut right to the heart. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter is offering that, great, offering that great message to that crowd on that Pentecost, as he reaches the climactic point of that message and talking about what they had done and brought about the death of that Christ that God had to raise up from the dead and God made him both Lord and Christ, Peter's message hit them right where they lived. They were cut to the heart, the scripture says, and they wanted to look to, and they looked to Peter and the others, men and brethren, what shall we do? It hurt. Just like Jesus, just like John, they were taught they could repent or they could perish. That's a good line, isn't it? You can repent or you can perish. Jesus told them, except you repent, you shall all in like manner perish. Luke 13 and verse 3, he was talking about some people who had died in some circumstances. Sometimes we need to hear we need to hear the strong words. Sometimes we need to hear, you need to make a change in your life. Sometimes we need to hear that there are things that need to be different in your life. If you want to have any hope, you want to have any salvation, you want to have things right, you want eternal life, there are some changes you need to make in your life if you hope to get there. We understand it from a physical point. Quite a number of years ago, a lady in the congregation, Hazel Scott, underwent a stroke or had a stroke. It left her with some difficulties for a time. <clears throat> and she was in a, a nursing facility for a time, and she hated being there. She hated being there. 
And some of the family members would go and see her, and she would just sit there and mourn over it. And they would pat her on the back, say, it'll be okay, it'll be okay. And I know Paula and I went and visited her several times. And we went to see her, and she just mourned, oh, you know, and she just wouldn't do anything. She didn't want to participate. She just laid, her, laid around and pitied herself and felt sorry for herself. Until finally her son went up and he said, Mom, you can lay in here and die or you can get up and do what they're telling you to do and you can get better. Pretty tough words coming from a son. You know what she did? She got up and started doing what they told her to do. She started working at it. And you know, in a short time, she went home and lived quite a number more years before she died. Sometimes we need to hear the tough words. We want to sit around and we want somebody to pat us on the back and tell us how wonderful we are. And that's great. Everybody loves that. But sometimes we need to hear some tough words. There are things you need to know. There are things you need to change. And there are things you need to do. And so I'm going to offer to you just kind of briefly this morning. Maybe a little different than what you would expect. But what are some of the things we need to hear? There are things we need to hear that you and I need to hear that we need to be reminded of from time to time. One, we need to know that there is only one hope for eternal life. They knew John's message was different, and yet John was pointing them to something better. He was pointing them to Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We're reminded in Acts 4 that there is only one name under heaven in which we can find salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14 and verse 6. There is only one hope for eternal life. It's only in Christ Jesus, and that's where we need to seek to find our hope. That's where we need to seek to find our life. You're not going to find it in your own behaviors. You're not going to find it in your own wisdom. You're not going to find it in the secular ideals and ideas of the world. You're not going to find eternal hope and salvation outside of Jesus Christ. Secondly, we need to remember that grace and forgiveness are not a license to do wrong. You say, I don't understand. Well, it's that idea that we tend toward, and we tend toward doing what we can get away with doing. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we'll push the limit. Even good people, even people like you and me will say, well, if, if I'm, you know, if it's not going to get me into serious trouble, if I'm not going to be fine, if I don't go to prison, or God's not going to condemn me for it immediately, then, you know, maybe I'm not going to worry about it much. We tend toward doing what we feel like we can get away with doing. Paul was writing to the church in Rome about that very thing. He said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What should we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. What was he saying? Should we just go on because we can get away with doing it? Is, is that it? Should we just let it go? Go ahead and do it just because we can get away with doing it. Friends, i got to believe that abuse of mercy, that abuse of forgiveness, that abuse of grace is perhaps the lowest level of character that a person can find. Don't we refer to such people as con artists? We pretend to be something while really trying to get away with something else. Peter spends a great deal of time in, in his writing in 1 Peter to remind us, be different than the world. People are going to think it's odd 
but be different. Grace and forgiveness are not a license to do wrong. Thirdly, God always, always gives us enough informational guidance to know what is right. He always gives us enough to know what's right and thus what is wrong. God's always been with his people, always stood by their side, always tried to inform them from the beginning of time. Whether you're talking about Adam and Eve or you're talking about Abraham or the Israelites and Moses or whether you're talking about some of the kings along the way or whether you're talking about in New New Testament era. And what was it that Jesus said in some of his parting words? Going to teach them all things whatsoever I've commanded you and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age of time. God always gives us enough information, enough partnership, enough fellowship, enough guidance to know what is right and thus what is wrong. So fourthly along that line, don't stop walking in the light. In other words, don't sit down and quit or don't walk somewhere else because that's where the power of his grace is applied. What does he say? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, what happens? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from sin. If we walk in the light, we walk away from it or we stop walking in the light, it's not so true. Because in the light is where the power of his grace is applied when we are living in that light. And then one more. Number five, if you live Christ If you live Christ, you don't have to make excuses for what people see in you. Remember when you were a little child? Remember when you were a little child? Some of you, I know, I know, I know. I'm not sure some of you were, but some of you, that's a long, long, long time ago. But do you remember when you were a little child and your mother would catch you doing something you you knew you weren't supposed to do? Maybe not all that bad, but you weren't supposed to do it. And she'd say, what are you doing? Well, you immediately said, yes, mother, I know I'm doing the wrong thing right now, and I apologize immediately for doing it. No. (laughs) You'd stammered and you, you yammered around and tried to figure out some way to avoid telling that you were doing something wrong. I think we do that with one another. I think we do that with God sometimes. We're looking for an excuse. We're looking for a way around. We want to blame it on somebody else. We want to blame it on circumstance. We want to look to somebody else and we want to say, that's the reason. But you know, if you do right, you don't have to look for an excuse. If you live Christ, you don't have to make excuses for what people see in you because what are they seeing? They're seeing Christ in you. Again, 1 Peter reminds us again and again. He says, they're going to think it odd. They're going to think it different. They're going to look at you, but they're not going to have any reason to bring accusations against you. And he said, and if they do bring accusations against you, if they do bring ridicule against you, isn't it better for it to be ridiculed for doing the right thing than to be guilty of doing the wrong thing? Live Christ and you don't have to make excuses for what people see being lived in you. So be the example of Christ. Let your light shine that men might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I know we need to hear when we're right. And we like to hear when we're right. 
But we also need to hear when we're wrong or when we need to change or when we need to improve or any other number of things. We need to hear the instruction of God and the message of the gospel. We need to hear and know what God wants us to be as well as what he has done and will do with us and for us. We need to know some things. I know I didn't cover the, the basics here. I said, what do we need to know? Somebody would want some immediate s- specific doctrine. Wanna, what do we need to know? I know you need to be baptized into Christ. You need to worship every Sunday. Or you need to, there are a, a number of lists we could make. But I believe the things that I'm telling you are the things that we need to know to get our lives in the right track. And when we know those and we're applying those in our lives, we can get the specifics in place readily. What do you need to know? You need to know soft soap's not, not good for doing everything, just good for washing dirty hands. And sometimes we need to just be straight and straightforward about what we need. We're going to sing a song of encouragement, invitation, and opportunity this morning. If there's someone who's not obeyed the gospel, not been baptized into Christ, you can can make that choice and you can be that way. You don't have to be baptized in Christ. Nobody's going to take you and throw you in the water. But you want to be right with God. You want to have life everlasting. You want to go to heaven. You want to be a part of his body. You want the forgiveness of sins. You want the grace of God in yours, and there it is. It's laid out for you. Maybe there's someone who needs to obey the gospel this very morning. If you do, let us assist you in doing so. If there's another need you have in your life, we'll gladly help you and encourage you with that. If there's change you need to make and you need to help in the prayers of the church, we're, we're here to be a part of that. But if you need to come this morning in this public assembly, please do so while we stand and sing this song together.